0: I didn't realize the connection between the lost childhood and being a one. Mm -hmm. Somehow I've missed that. I focus just on the details of me, you know, am I critical? And, you know, I focus on the negative and trying to look at, um, focus on the strengths, the growth areas. And certainly as I look back on, you know, the underdeveloped one, the averaged one, and then the improved one, (laughs) there's been tons of growth And progress, which is delightful. But this is new this idea that, wow, part of my oneness comes out of a lost childhood.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the program. It's another episode. Well, in June of 2018, my bride, Julianne Cusick, sat down with Ian and on the Enneagram, she is a one. We are side by side one another. The one is known as the perfectionist or the reformer, and just like there's unique and complex issues with being a two or any of the numbers on the Enneagram, the one is uh, particularly fascinating because I'm married to her, but it's, it's really beautiful because in this conversation as Ian interviews Julianne, uh, she makes reference to our relationship and some of the ups and downs. And actually makes reference to what it's like to be a one married to a two or what it's like for me as a two married to her. Um, it's a wonderful conversation. I learned a little bit about my wife by listening to it, so you'll learn about my wife as well as the Enneagram one. So to learn more about Ian... You can go to iancron.com to learn about his programs and resources and training and where he's speaking next. You can also go to exploreyourtype.com. If you're new to the Enneagram or old, it's a free assessment and a free, uh, way to take a very brief test. I think there's a hundred questions or so on there. And then you get a pretty solid, uh, report. Uh, or solid sense of what your number is from there. And that's a really, really great start, along with his book, Road Back to You. And finally, as a resource with Ian's work, you can go to typologypodcast.com to explore the over couple hundred conversations and interviews there with thinkers, musicians, writers, authors, artists, creators, and so on. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts, not just because uh, – I have been on it and not just because we are a advertiser on there where restoring the soul goes out to Ian's listeners, but because so much of the work that we do at restoring the soul is what I call Enneagram informed. It's a great way of developing self awareness, but it's also a great way to grow emotionally and spiritually, and really to become ourselves. So here we are on Restoring the Soul, listening to this episode that Ian entitled, Finding Your Inner Encourager, where Julianne Cusick is being interviewed. Let's jump in.
2: Julianne Cusick, welcome to Typology, my friend.
0: Thank you, Ian. I am glad to be here with you today.
2: All right, how long have I known you?
0: Um, well, how old's your oldest? Because she was a, not even two.
2: Okay, so she's twenty six.
0: Okay, so twenty four years. <gasps>
2: oh my gosh!
0: I know. That's I know.
2: crazy.
0: It it is. Oh my gosh that it's makes
2: half- that makes me forty eight.
0: It well, I was going to say it's half my life. But you're older than I am.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, we'll be sure to edit that out of the show. I'm, I am so glad to have an Enneagram one on the show today because it's been a little while and I think you're the first woman Enneagram one we've had in a very long time. And, uh, I want to say, contrary to what most Enneagram ones think, they're fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, like I don't know what it is about Enneagram ones, but I, I, of all the numbers on the Enneagram, they are the most resistant to learning that that's their type. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they're like, I don't want to be a one. And I want to know why ones don't want to be ones.
0: Well, Ian, um, that's a good question. I think that, uh, well, let me just say when when ones are in their good place, there's no better number than being a one.
2: Oh, hold on, people. Did you all hear that? There's no number better than being a one. Okay, keep uh-huh. going. I yeah. love it.
0: Yeah. So true to being a one. However, in our in our weaknesses, our inadequacies, our our inadequacies, our issues, there's nothing worse than being a one. Really? Yes, because we are tormented by the inner critic. Oh. Yes.
2: All right. Well. Yeah. Okay. So everybody has an inner critic, right? I mean, we every type has its own yep. version. But what? Yep.
0: But nobody has one like a one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is it more of a choir than a voice? Uh, what is it?
0: Um, well, choir, they don't sing though, but there, <laughs> there is a panel of <laughs> them. A
2: panel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good. And um, they, they are incessant at times. Really? How old
2: were you when you, you first recognized there's someone else living in my head? And it's not always a, a nice person living in my head.
0: Um, you know, it was probably when I wasn't living with my mother anymore, and yet I could still hear her in my head. Oh, yeah.
2: Wow. Can you, can you tease that out for me a little bit? Like what, what was the realization? What was the voice like?
0: Oh, it was very harsh, very critical, very condemning. Um, the woulda, shoulda, coulda. Right. Um, yeah, it was very much the phrase inner critic is... Just so spot on.
2: Mm.
0: Very much a critic.
2: Mm. So how do you how do you adjust the volume on it? You know, like how do you begin to uh, speak back to the voices in a way that might uh, release you from some of the tyranny of of it?
0: I actually remember the first time that I kind of fought back to the inner critic. I know where I was which house we were living in, which room I was in. And I literally spoke out loud, um, shut the expletive up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what were you, okay. hold on a second. I want to know this. I, I want to get the full picture. What were you doing when it happened? And like, what, what, what brought that up for you?
0: Well, you know, I was doing laundry. It wasn't anything, you know, significant, it, it was just the inside voice critiquing me about whatever it was could have been um, one thing that i thought of that's been a constant inner critic has been body image Mm. and my mother was very critical of me as a young girl as an adolescent um, into my adulthood and so that has been internalized. So it could have been anything. Um but it, I just remember being in front of the the washer and dryer just doing the mundane of new momhood. Um <clears throat> which entails a lot of laundry by the way. And and it was just this relentless um harsh, critical inner voice like attacking me. Mm. Uh ripping me to shreds about who who I am. Mm. Who I was at the time, and I just, I'd had enough. I was tired of listening and getting beaten up by this voice, and so that's when I actively started to fight back.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to know, uh, ha- have you seen the movie Mr. Rogers yet?
0: No. Oh, I haven't.
2: Okay. All right. Any? Enneagram- oh, Enneagram ones around the world, listen to me. You have to see Mr. Rogers. You have to. So I also, right after seeing it, someone texted out that I was, I had, I was with him. And so I got a bunch of like things on Instagram and Twitter asking me what number I thought Mr. Rogers was. Now, of course, again, doing, doing this from a distance, uh, speculating, you know, uh, about someone who's gone, you know, uh, but as I watched the film, I walked away thinking he's one of a couple of types, but I would bet he was an Enneagram one. And I'm always trying to tell people, you know, ones, I could go through a long list of the most incredible human beings that were were ones. And now I can add to that list. Mr. Rogers. Mm. That's my guess.
0: Well, I haven't seen it, but I will check it out. I will say, though, in my um my dutiful preparation for our show today. Yeah,
2: okay, so I do want to say that this <laughs> I want to say that this morning at a precisely ten A.M., we received a text from you saying, I'm here. <laughs> and I said, we've never had anyone on our show text us at exactly one at the hour that we were going to begin and tell us I'm here.
0: I was just confirming my presence. <laughs> <laughs> um But back to Mr. Rogers, I will say um, I came across a list recently and um, my beloved Mary Poppins was listed as a one.
2: Oh,
0: and and that she's I I, if I could model my my motherhood after someone, it would be Mary Poppins.
2: (laughs) Well, I hope that was an affirmation. Sounds like it was.
0: Yeah, it was. It really was. I think she's great.
2: So the, um, the Enneagram type ones are called, um, the perfectionists. I, I've sort of appropriated the word the improvers because I think that's a, a, a better, you know, modifier for, for that type. And I think about you and in your life history and the many ways that you have walked into situations that required improving and mm. you, you really, you know, took things to a new level. And what do you think the uh, the central area of concern is for the one? Like, where does the one's attention constantly migrate toward on a any given moment?
0: Improvement.
2: Okay, so what does that look like for you?
0: Um, uh, let's see. Boy, you talked about vulnerability. <laughs> Um, improvement for me, one is an area of personal growth, self-growth. Um, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, and I think many ones are. They're, they're into improving themselves, you know, self-knowledge, self-growth, becoming better. Um, it can be very critical. Thankfully, I've had about 15 years of battling that. Close to 20 years of battling that inner critic. So she's, she's quieter now. There's usually not a panel.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I've reduced the number of inner critics. Um, but I think a, as an improver, whatever they see, they, they tend to see what's missing and what can be done better.
2: Mm-hmm. You, got an exa- you got an example?
0: Oh, do I? <laughs> so I can walk into my house after being gone hours. And, and within 30 seconds, know what's out of place, what hasn't been done, and what needs to be done again, like it wasn't done well enough. Mm. Example, crumbs or smudges on the kitchen counter. It's absolutely annoying to my family. And my husband has asked me, and I'm really working on this, Ian. Michael has asked, don't say anything for 30 minutes. <laughs> really? Really? When you walk in the door, oh. I can walk in and I'll be like, how come this isn't done? And why is that out? And who left smudges on the kitchen, ca- kitchen cabinet? And who, you know, like I can see the remains of the maple syrup and who made pancakes and didn't wipe the counter. Like it's, it's ridiculous.
2: You know, it's interesting. Um, I've been, uh, you know, doing some work at uh, with the, with Helen Palmer's group and, and, you know, this whole idea of where attention migrates naturally for each type, uh, fascinates me. So, you know, as you know, Annie's a nine. I'm a four. And, but, but, you know, fours often think and behave like ones. You know, like a lot of times, in fact, fours and ones misidentify with each other. Mm-hmm. And, So she has this habit of opening the mail and then leaving it on the dining room table. I mean, like the envelopes that are torn open are still there. Like there's junk mail that's, you know, splattered around. And I realized one day it's it's when she walks into the dining room, it's actually invisible to her. Like she it is as if it's not there. Her attention doesn't isn't even registering that there's paper. You know what I mean? Like confetti all over the table. Mm -hmm. My mind. The moment I walk in, I go, uh, it's the first thing I see when I walk mm-hmm. into the room. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's so important for people to realize where their attention goes, because uh, if you don't know where it goes, then you'll con- habitually fall into the same thing and not, you know, see all the other wonderful things that are happening in the same space or with yes. the same person.
0: Right like what they did do and how much fun they had making pancakes and that they chose to do something relational over wiping the counter or they did wipe the counter into them. It's clean. Right. And right. it may not be my clean, but it's clean. Okay. So, so putting look, relationship over perfection.
2: Ooh, I love that. When you said that, I was thinking putting relationship over being right.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can be right or you can be married.
2: (laughs) That is one of the best things I've heard all week. (laughs) You can be right or you can be married. Oh, this was worth the whole price of admission. Okay. How did you arrive at the you can be right or you can be married wisdom line?
0: Oh, uh, that was 20 years in the making, Um, truly a long, long time ago. um, uh, I was privileged to walk uh, with someone in a very difficult time in their life, and they I think they they were, are a one, and it was so important for them to be right, and yet it was destroying their marriage. Mm. And so um, that was a little jewel that that came out of that difficult time is you can be right or you can be married and it served me well in my own marriage. Um, it's not about being right. Um, I also have coined the phrase done is better than perfect,
3: Mm. uh,
0: because that drive for perfection, you know, if I'm going to do something, it has to be done well. So if I can't do it perfect, I'm not going to do it at all. Um, that in my younger years kept me pretty frozen. Mm. And so, um, done is better than perfect. You know, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly, Mm -hmm. but I mean, let's just do it. Let's experience it versus being crippled by fear of perfection or fear of failure. Mm. So,
2: you know, a lot of times, uh, ones will say to me, you know, I really want to believe that my way isn't the only way. But it's so hard for me to believe that's not true.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, because, I mean, nine times out of ten, Ian, ones are right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, at least you're giving yourself a 10% margin of error there. I think that's... <laughs> What about the time do you remember the time you told me the story about uh, the toilet paper in the bathroom I have never forgotten this for my entire life
0: Oh dear Lord what have I told you previously about
2: the toilet rolls when you go into people's bathrooms and they don't actually
0: oh oh whether they're uh, under or over yes <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yes yeah, so um, yes yeah, so being a one um, and let's place this a good 15 years in the past uh, I have grown. But um I used to think the only way to do it was to have it come over. Uh-huh. I was at a friend's house at the time and her role was the pulling under. And I thought, oh, she must have made a mistake. And so I fixed the toilet paper roll. Okay,
2: but what I want to know is did you put the little did you fold it so there was a little triangle at the end, like when you go to a hotel?
0: Have you been in my house? Yes I have. <laughs> Were you were you there last week when we had company and I did that very thing?
2: Did you really? I'm always just happy if we have toilet paper in there <laughs> <laughs> when people come over. <laughs> Usually they have to come out, you know, like, do you have any toilet paper? It's like, well, okay, there you go. There's a four and a nine living together.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, we have toilet paper. There's a one in the house.
2: Wow. All right. So what is it that people most value about Ones? Like when a relationship, what, what in your experience do people most value about once?
0: Um, we are loyal. Uh, we have integrity. Um, I think we can go the long haul in difficult times and um, difficult relationships, difficult seasons.
2: Mm.
0: I mean, you haven't scared me off in over 20 years. What?
2: <laughs> I've tried. I'm working on it.
0: I'm sorry, but you're stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: there, uh, there's still you time. And you are stuck. I'm still there's still time for me to do this. I can do it. I'm working on it.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, we are. We have a lot of really good qualities. It was interesting uh, as as I was preparing, as a one would do to prepare. Um, I will confess, last night I thought, "Damn it, Ian, why didn't you send me a list of questions so I could more fully prepare for this?" for this interview because what's going to happen is I'm going to replay this interview over and over and over and over. And I'm going to say, Oh, I could have said this better or, Oh, I wish I had said that that would have sounded or been so much better as an answer than what I gave. Mm. Um, and so I know that going into this and so I have to just give myself some grace, give myself some downtime uh, let it play for a little while, and then say, "Okay, I, I did what I did. It's it's good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Done is done is better than perfect, um, and if it if it totally sucks, he can re-record the whole interview."
2: <laughs> right. Well, I can, um, <laughs> or
0: just throw the whole thing out. <laughs> I can
2: do that too. Well, Julian, hold on. I got a bunch of other questions for you, but I actually need to, ironically, uh, say a little bit about our show sponsor which happens to be your husband's organization restoring the soul right so you know I'm a th- I'm a psychotherapist I'm a spiritual director and I'm always encouraging people to seek out professional counseling and get some you know some therapy but one of the lessons I've learned is that not everybody benefits from a traditional like 50 minute hour or even from the the typical weekly sessions um, and this is why I think some people, uh, even though they may have a great counselor, can go to therapy or personal counseling for months or even years and and really never get anywhere or make you know meaningful progress and This is why, and you know this julian that i 'm such a fan and a believer in the intensive counseling process at restoring the soul uh, in you know your town and in, in Colorado restoring the soul was was created by uh, my longtime friend, your husband, Michael Cusick, to help couples or individuals experience really deep change in half day blocks over one or two weeks. Uh, Michael and his team, they, they, they know that sometimes you can't wait months or years to get to the bottom of an issue or to uh, experience a breakthrough. So they've helped couples and uh, individuals transform their relationships and their lives for a couple of decades now. So typology folks, if you're looking to get out of the rut you're in, but you can't wait months or years, you got to call Restoring the Soul today for a free consultation. You can just call 303-932-9777, 303-932-9777 and learn how their intensive counseling process can jumpstart your journey or launch you to a whole new place in in your life and as a special bonus just for typology listeners make sure to visit www.restoringthesoul.com forward slash typology www.restoringthesoul.com forward slash typology to download their pdf called five ways unaddressed trauma may be derailing your relationship how was that, Julian? Was that was that a pretty good a pretty good pump for the restoring the soul miracle workers?
0: I wouldn't call us miracle workers, but thank you, Ian. You're very gracious. Well, uh, we love we love what we do here. Um, it's awesome to see people's lives transformed and changed. And being a one, being an improver, it's a great environment because I continue to grow personally and professionally, and I get to come alongside people. And help them through sometimes the deepest, darkest time in their life, and see them grow and improve and come out of that. So it's very fulfilling work.
2: So let's let's stay on that theme for a second. You're um you're a mom. You got two wonderful kids, and of course, you know, parenting is a journey uh, in itself. It's an education. It's a it's a graduate school of its own.
0: Yes, it is. Um,
2: can you tell me about what? motherhood or parenthood is like as a one what's your journey been like as a as a mother and an improver uh, on the enneagram
0: well two thoughts come to mind one is when we were first introduced to the enneagram a number of years ago through you in a conference that you were doing and my husband and I we were able to identify not just our own numbers but our children's numbers mm. and that has been Gosh, um, I don't know how many years ago that was now, but that has stayed with us. Mm. Our kids know their numbers. Our kids know our numbers. They can say to me, Mom, you're being a one again, mm. you know, and so it's it, it has really helped us dial into um, who they are, what their personality is, what their strengths and weaknesses are, where they go in stress, where they go in relaxation, uh, where we go. It's interesting. As a one, um, my two children have um, are related to one. So I have a daughter who's a four, and a son who's a seven. Mm. And of course, you know the fours. What is it? The fours go to one in uh, health. In, in health, and the sevens go to the one in in stress, mm-hmm. right? So, um, as much as they tease me about my oneness, you know, I can tease them right back and say, Hey, this is growth for you. Or this is where you go when you're stressed, when Mm. you start doing your laundry and cleaning your room and you need to order, you know, this is, this is you being a one, um, but it's really been helpful. It's been really helpful in our marriage. Um, when I reorganize the dishwasher to get more in, um, my husband doesn't take that as a personal assault that he's somehow um, not needed as a two, right? Um, that he's come to appreciate, I can just get more in and um, in the dishwasher. So it's helped some of those little things that um, can tend to annoy You know, whether it's this partner situation or parent child, uh, because when I go in to check a room, if it's clean, my natural tendency is a one to say, okay, I see one, two, three, four things that still need to be done. And sometimes I can forget to start with, wow, great job. You've done a number of things in here. This is terrific. In order to get this check off your list that you're done, um, I can see three things that need to still be worked on. Can you find them? Mm. you know and and so it just changes um changes the energy
2: yeah right
0: if i can be a little bit more careful Yep,
2: yeah. yeah you know it's um i was out with a friend last night he's a his name is uh david he's a he's a sobriety coach and we were sitting on my porch and um talking and he, he brought up a uh sort of a an illustration for a little bit of what you're talking about that made me just laugh my head off he said you know it's like in your type, it's like you're standing in the batter's box in a batting cage. You know what I'm saying? And the ball machine is just throwing balls at you constantly. Like every three seconds, you know, a ball comes flying out and you just swing at it like a, a reactively. You're just like, oh gosh. And you're, and every single time you're trying to hit it out of the park, you know? And he says, so oftentimes in life, that's what he says, that's what I feel like. I feel like all these experiences and people are, you know, being thrown at me at 90 miles an hour. And I just keep swinging in reactivity. You know, it's like, whoop! here comes the ball. I swing. And he said, and what I've learned from the Enneagram is how to step out of the batter's box and make the pitcher wait. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I can just breathe and say, okay, now what do I want to do right now? Do I want to just live in reactivity and, you know, in the craziness of my type? Or do I want to learn how to step out of the box, observe what's happening in the moment and choose whether or not that's a good pitch to hit? you know, in order to take a swing at.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, slowing things down. Um, absolutely. And being able to, I mean, do all of those things, right. Take a deep breath, count to 10, you know, count to five, um, just to, to have a perspective. And I think as I've matured and seasoned and done my own work, um, my edges are softer mm. than they used to be 20 years ago. Mm. Um, so what's more important here, the kid's heart or the room? Well, clearly, the kid's heart.
2: Right. Right? But, but what, 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 yeah, but when you're in reactivity, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, but <clears throat> this is true for every type. When you're in reactivity, when you're living unconsciously, right, just, off, oh, right. you know, right. you don't, you may fundamentally believe that's true, but when you're unconscious and in automatic mode, you don't actually live as though it's true yes
0: yes absolutely absolutely and i I would think that's true for any number Mm -hmm. um but certainly true for a one because they're at least my mind is so quick to assess um you know what's missing and Mm -hmm. that's a sad thing um to always see kind of what's missing or what needs to be fixed um uh, we, we lived in our house for ten years, I think, with the most atrocious kitchen. <laughs> I think I needed to go on antidepressants just to manage living <laughs> in the house with this atrocious kitchen, because I'm uh, all I could do was see what was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I thought I don't think we'd been in the house two weeks, and I had started to paint the walls because the paint had clashed with the the cabinet color, mm-hmm. and I, I felt like you know I was nauseous every morning I walked in. So. Um, you know, there's some sad things, you know, about, about being a one and seeing the negativity, but we can also see the potential, right? Mm. We can also see the growth. Um, and, uh, it was, it's been, it's been fun and and been so enjoyable to finally, after 10 years have redone our kitchen a few years ago and it's delightful and it was built for a relationship
2: Mm.
0: Uh, and it's where everybody hangs out. You that's know.
2: a that's a really important distinction and I think a real sign of health is that you just said, you know, it was built for relationship, not to be, let's say, right or correct. It it was built as a space for people's hearts to meet one another.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and that and that happens, and that's a beautiful thing. My you know, my dad um and mom, they are first generation Americans and um Portuguese and Italian heritage. And the the kitchen was really the heart of the home, right? The cooking and the eating and the fellowship and the fighting that went along with it. You know, it all happened in the kitchen. Um, and so I really wanted that to have functionality for people to gather.
3: Hmm.
0: So we, um, we have a bit of a breakfast bar that's really a breakfast, lunch and dinner and snack bar now. <laughs> and People just hang out there.
2: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So a lot of times, ones you sort of a, uh, sort of pointed to this a few minutes ago, or they have trouble getting started on things because they're afraid that they won't do them correctly, right? There's, so there can be a lot of procrastination uh, for ones because mm-hmm. there's some hesitancy and fear around competency and, and getting it just right. What? What is there? Anything you have always felt called? toward but have feared to do because you you might not do it right
0: i think of a couple things Uh, one um, back when i was probably in my early 40s i was afraid to do like a sprint triathlon Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and uh, because i didn't think i could do it Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and my good inner voice, I think I'd like to say I now have an inner encourager.
2: <laughs> Ooh, that's good. An inner encourager.
0: Yeah, my inner encourager said, you're too old to be afraid of something. Like, oh. go do it. And so I did. You know, I, I'll, I doubt I'll ever do it again. I had a back injury a few years ago. Um, and talk about needing to rest and be still. It's a good thing that I that God has had me on the journey of learning that because when I had this injury, I had a nerve flare up. And anytime there's a nerve that's flared, you can't fix it by doing things. Mm -hmm. And that's a one's go-to is you fix it by doing things. I had to fix this by being still. That
2: (laughs) That is so hard for a one because because you see so much that's uh wrong or mis- you know mistakes in the environment it's like you have a never ending to do list of things oh, yes. that that need you know doing and mm-hmm. and so i in fact i've never seen people um uh like ones who who really there's never enough time to stop and have fun there's never enough time to stop and just relax and you know sit on the porch and have an iced tea and and watch the the, the trees and the wind because there's just too much to do. It's like the mm-hmm. was it Alice in Wonderland? Or the, who was it that was running around all the time with the clock? You know, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's that sort of a thing. I mean, is that is that something you're finding relief from in your life?
0: Uh, it's certainly uh, an area that I have to be attuned to. Um, so even as a child. After school, I was made to do homework before I could go out to play. Um, I think I had a very unhealthy one as a mom. Mm. And then by the time my homework was done, it was dark mm. and I couldn't play. Mm. And and yet duty and responsibility over fun has been ingrained in me. And mm. so <clears throat> I very much have to get my work done, mm-hmm. you know, in order to earn a, uh, a break. <laughs> I don't just get a break because, you know, you deserve a break today. Um, but I, I have to earn it. <laughs> right. Um, so I have to watch that. Um, getting away for vacation is incredibly difficult, uh, because of duty and responsibility. Um, so I try to do many vacations, you know, um, like if I've got schoolwork, I'm finishing up my graduate degree in marriage and family therapy. And so I'll kind of allow myself in the beautiful Colorado to sit outside and work on my laptop. Like if I've got to do school and I, you know, I have work to do, let's at least do it in a beautiful place mm. or, or have a nice drink to go with it. You know, um, something iced, um, you know, no caffeine,
2: <laughs> Be very careful. Um, no sugar,
0: no sugar, right. no sugar, no, um, so um, treating myself, like if I'm going to do something I don't really enjoy doing, um, then then there's, you know, building in rewards, building in treats, because mm-hmm. it doesn't come naturally mm-hmm. to get to have downtime. Mm. So little mini vacations.
2: So uh, I'm going to circle back and press Cindy on something. You, All right. Just a moment ago, when you were talking about um, uh, growing up and, and the... You, it would be dark before you could uh, go out to play. So you missed the opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I could just see in your eyes because we're on Skype. I could see in your face and your eyes, and because I've known you so long, that that just for a moment you you you, you hit something inside that was very tender.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Can you? What, what did you hit?
0: Oh, I think sadness,
2: mm-hmm.
0: loss, grief. Um, uh, Michael sent me something recently that Richard Rohr uh, had written. And of course, he's a one. Um, and he had talked about ones as, you know, childlike and full of joy and wonder at, at the world and creation. And and that's true. But for some of us, that's been lost.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so what does it mean to regain that in our lives, to reclaim what was lost? hmm he also um, wrote that many ones have um, a lot of childhood loss mm-hmm. and grow up with at least one critical parent. And, you know, that was new for me, Ian. I didn't realize um, the connection between the lost childhood and being a one. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow I've missed that. I focus just on the details of me, you know, am I critical I'm. you know, I focus on the negative and, you know, um, look, trying to look at um, focus on the strengths, the growth areas. And certainly as I look back on, you know, the underdeveloped one, the averaged one, and then the, you know, improved one, <laughs> um, there's been tons of growth. And progress, which is which is delightful, Um, but this is new. This idea that wow, part of my oneness comes out of a lost childhood.
3: Mm.
0: There's a lot of grief there. There's a lot of sadness. Um, I think it helps me look back and see why I spent so much time with my kids in nature Mm. (laughs) when they were when they were little. Mm. Um, Our son's an outdoor recreational leadership guy and he talks about how um i love that you know i grew up in a home where i didn't have tv for the first two years of my life that i was outside Mm -hmm. um and that was intentional on my part because i didn't get that Mm -hmm. right i didn't get to to play i didn't get to be outside when it was daylight Mm. duty came first right chores homework responsibilities always came first
2: yeah. Well, it's like what James Hollis said, right? Everybody's a recovering child.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. And that's yeah. not, that's, you know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, sort of paint life in a glum sort of way, but you know, we we do have to accept that we 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 operate in the world with bumps and bruises and limps and loss and, you know, we we have to find our way in the middle of it toward a more hopeful future. Mhm. So, Absolutely. So, you know, you're, you've come so far, I mean, I've known you for, you know, as you said, 24, 25 years and I've, I've you know, we've just watched each other grow and, in, uh, in tremendous ways that I, for which I'm very, very grateful. Um, what do you do? How are you using the Enneagram to continue your journey of growth? Like, what is it that you, like, do you refer to it often? Do you think about it often? I mean, like what, what role does it play?
0: Oh, I think it's a part of our everyday life. Um, you know, my son just the other day, out of the blue, I think we were saying, "Mom's going to talk to Ian about the enneagram," and he was just like, "I'm a seven. <laughs> you know, he's just, he just, he just owns it. And I know you're eight, and is is a seven, so we we have that in common. Um, uh, it's really a part of our of our everyday life in the counseling and soul care work that I'm privileged to do. Uh, it's a part of my work. Yeah. So many times I, I'll recommend your book. Um, Continue. <laughs> you know, I'll say if you're new to the Enneagram, the, the book to start with is The Road Back to You by good friend Ian Morgan Cron. Um, and it's great, people. I, I have them listen to your podcast. I have them read your book. I have them, you know, take your little Enneagram quiz to find their number. So because self-knowledge and self-awareness regardless of our number, that's where we start. That's where growth starts Mm -hmm. is, is self-awareness and self-knowledge. So I use it with my clients. Um, it's great to see them kind of catch on. Um, I love the, the head, the heart, the gut center, you know, being able to identify and operate out of that. Um, so it's, it's a part of, of who I am and who I'm becoming. Once I finish graduate school, I'd like to immerse myself more deeply. Um, Denver was privileged to have Christopher Heworts come out last fall. Um, That was a highlight. I got to go to a one-day workshop. He wrote the sacred Enneagram. Um, That was good for me. Um, Of the three um, kind of spiritual uh, aspects of silence, solitude, and stillness, uh, as a one, I can do silence all day long. I can do solitude all day long. Um, but you ask a one to be still, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) is that a challenge? Mm. Uh, So where, where can I intentionally build stillness into my life Mm -hmm. Um, as a, as a spiritual discipline, if you will, as a growth opportunity, certainly with my, when my back went out three years ago and I was face down on the floor for weeks on end, um, I was grateful God had had begun to teach me stillness, <clears throat> because I needed to be able to rest, to be able to heal. <clears throat> Excuse me.
2: So, um, I'm I'm a one. I'm in your office. Um, I'm you know not far into the journey of you know learning about who I am and. You you're you you've been tasked uh, in this particular session with giving me three or four things a one should do or could do in (laughs) order to grow uh, into a more healthy expression of themselves. What what would you what would you tell me?
0: Uh, I would ask you what you do for fun. Mm -hmm. And I'd ask you what you do for relaxation um, I have told people before to, uh, as a homework assignment, they need to find a guilty pleasure.
2: Ooh, find a, okay. What's your guilty pleasure How, for me? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, certain shows on Netflix.
2: Uh-oh. New, yeah. Can I have one just in case I haven't seen it?
0: Um, actually my latest secret and I have forbade my husband to watch it cause it just needs to be like my sacred space is. <laughs> is Offspring.
2: Oh, I haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, I've really, it's an Australian show. I've really enjoyed it. Um, And I also love Life in, uh, I think it's called Life in Pieces. Yeah. Mm. And they're the, the, the shorts, the family of shorts. Um, but they have life in pieces. It's a, it's, it's, it makes me laugh. And that says something being a one.
2: (laughs) All right. So what else? Okay. So I'm still in your office. I'm trying to figure out, man, how do I get to be a healthy one? What else would you tell me to, to do or think about?
0: Um, I would, um, have you set a timer and get your butt in a chair and be still. And I would start at five minutes and that is really tough. For now,
2: now, are you describing meditation? Or you? What are you describing?
0: I, I'm saying you have to just be physically still to start, and then yes, going into contemplation, meditation, that quiet space. You know, mm-hmm. working up to 20 minutes. I cannot tell you how difficult that is for one, uh, myself included. But it's the benefits; just they're worth it. They're yeah. Um, it's really good to be still. So creating stillness. And for beginners, sometimes they have to write their to do list. <laughs> right? right. So having contemplative time, the, the mind of a one keeps going. So you have your your Bible or your journal on one side. Keep the to do list on the other side just so you can write it down and get it out of your brain. Because if not, the one will continue to go, Oh, I can't forget this. I can't forget this. So I find I have to just write it down. Then I know I'm not going to forget it. And then I can go on in stillness and quiet and right.
2: contemplation. Oh, that's good. So I also have a friend of mine who's at one, and they, they actually keep a list of, uh, they have wonder lists, you know, in their phone. It's like a, like a to do Oh, yeah. You got wonder yeah. list?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay. So they have a whole like little file in wonder list. That uh, is it just a list of pleasurable activities, or okay. or, or things that they want to do. Like they live in Washington, uh, they live in Seattle, and they're like, okay, fun things to do in Seattle that I want to get to one of these days. You know, maybe it's a museum or it's a park or having. But they just keep a list because you know sometimes you're sitting around going, okay, I got free time, what am I going to do? And you forget, oh my gosh, there's this museum or there's this, there's a zoo or there's this or there's that, and it's like you got to keep a list of the fun things you want to do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because ones in their relaxation, right, Where they go to seven. So, I mean, I, I can be a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> oh, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it usually involves um, two margaritas, but that's okay. I've seen it.
0: <laughs> hey, nowadays, just, just a half a margarita will, will do it. Um, some of the funnest things, you know, um, my son and I recently went to yoga on the rocks um, at Red Rocks, and we had a blast um, it was so good. It was so good to go, um, going to a concert, going to a movie, um, just having some fun to just let go is just giving per- one's permission, permission to have fun, right?
2: Yes. Okay. So I, I did something the other day that I just realized it'd probably be really fun for a one, <laughs> really good for a one. All right. So, <clears throat> Anthony and I have been listening to this new Betty LeVette record. What's the name of the record again, man? T- Change is going to come. What is it? Uh, keep going, oh, my gosh. If Listen, y'all, if you've not heard Betty LeVette's new record, her, her name is spelled B-E-T-T-Y-E-L. Is it L-E or L-A? T-T-Y-E-L-A-V-E-T-T-E. Yeah, L-A-V-E-T-T-E. And the name of the record is Things Have Changed. And if you are into some bad grooves, I'm talking to bad, some of the baddest grooves I've heard in a long time. This record is amazing. Well, anyway, I put it on, I had it on the house. Nobody else is home but me. And Julian. I just started dancing. And I don't oh, mean, I, I don't mean just like clicking my fingers and tapping my toes. It's like, no, 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 no. Nobody else was there. And I'm like, Grooving, like I've, I've, you know, drunk a half a keg of beer and I'm at my daughter-in-law's wedding. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just like, Adam, well, it wouldn't be my daughter-in-law's wedding. That'd be my son's wedding. Anyhow, so, but I mean, like, I'm at a wedding party and I'm like dancing around the house and like, to the point that I'm embarrassing myself. You know, like when you do stuff and no one else is there and you're feeling embarrassed for yourself? Absolutely. And I'm like, That's a one thing to do, because if I feel embarrassed, a one would feel really embarrassed, probably, of letting their bodies go and letting all those instinctual animal drives come up and sort of dance around the house. Is that probably a good thing for a one?
0: It is, and I think that you may be surprised that there there is a lot of pleasure in letting go like that for a one because they're moving towards their seven, mm-hmm. right? They're tired of the heavy feelings. They don't want to deal with the heavy feelings. They want to have fun. And so there's a lot of um, relief in that, but many times they need permission, um, and so I, I can't think of the name of the movie, but the image is with me. I think it was Tom Cruise in his underwear dancing in socks.
2: Oh yeah, that was um oh that was his first big movie.
0: Yeah. Okay. So but that's that's what that comes to mind when you talk about you dancing yeah. in your house. You, that's exactly what I was
2: doing. Being
0: in your underwear.
2: To, no, no, you don't understand. Like with tube socks on. Yeah. I, You know, I'm dancing (laughs) around, but I don't have tidy whities, but I was dancing around, you know, the house to Betty LeVette and the whole time almost watching myself as an out of out of body experience going, what are you doing? This is madness. I'm like, yes, it is madness. And I just, you know, lost my mind for about, and literally for like five minutes uh, in the house. I think that's that's good for every type. But for ones who tend to tamp down instinctual drives and animal energies, I think it's like such a good thing to do to let
0: absolutely let off that steam and it's part of one of the fun things we do at our house um mom mom has been known to to crank the tunes and dance in the kitchen um just randomly when i need to get some new energy get rid of the toxic energy uh it's been something we've been known to do as a family as we're cleaning up uh the dinner dishes is is just put on some tunes and dance and uh, it's wonderful it changes the, the whole energy in me it changes the energy in our house um I highly recommend it. And if you can do it in your underwear, even better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and on that note <laughs> And on that note, we're gonna end our show today, traumatizing all of our listeners with their imagining me in my underwear and tube socks dancing to the the strains of Betty Levet's newest record. Julianne, it's been amazing having you on.
0: Well, Ian, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I do confess my thir- first thought was, um, you must be desperate. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's me. so one of you. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I told my husband, I said, no, I'm not doing it. He said, why not? I said, because I'm not good enough. <gasps> oh. So very much, very much you activated that, that one in me. Um, and it's been a good opportunity for me to manage that inner critic and just kind of Hang out with you today as your lifelong friend. Um, love your, your wife and your kids. Um, love you. And just hang out and hope your listeners can get something good out of this, uh, this time today.
2: So thank you for listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. We want you to know that Restoring the Soul is so much more than a podcast. What we're all about is helping couples and individuals get unstuck. You know how some people go to counseling or marriage therapy for months or even years and never really get anywhere? Our intensive programs help clients get unstuck in as little as two weeks. To learn more, visit RestoringTheSoul.com. That's RestoringTheSoul.com.